WKNC 88.1. This is Grant Golden. You guys are listening to the second hour of Carolina Grown now. We were just in the studio with Mipso for this first hour, and now I am joined by Wendy Spitzer, uh, also known as Felix Obelix. She is releasing a ringtone album. It is an album with about 30 tracks, all filled with one-minute ringtones. Uh, it is going to be released on Potluck Records on November 5th, and she is going to have some release shows in Durham at about the same week on the 8th, 9th, and 10th at the Carrick Art Gallery in Durham. Uh, thank you for joining me, Wendy. I'm excited to talk about this. Thank you so much for having me, Grant. I'm glad to have you on. Um, so I want to go ahead and get to the meat of this. Um, the Ringtone album is an awesome concept, and I had never heard of anything like this before. What, what inspired you to create an album full of ringtones? Sure. Well, um, the genesis for this project sort of became, um, or began rather, when my old cell phone died, and this was about 2010, late 2010, and um, I had realized a couple days after it had bitten the bitten the dust that it was that ringtone was the one piece of music I'd listened to literally the most often in the preceding three years. Like it would ring every single day with a small snippet of music, and you think, oh. What are your favorite songs? Those are the ones you listen to all the time. But actually, no, it was like 30 seconds of some little bloopy thing that came with the phone, right? Yeah. So, um, so I, I sort of started to realize that it it was this sort of unexplored territory, um, a very short composition that had the psychological meaning of somebody trying to get in touch with me. So it had this extra weight, Um and I think people now are, are really Pavlovian response um, trained to reach for their phone whenever they hear it, um, whenever they hear the, the cell phone go off. So it, it, it felt all of a sudden like this was um, unexplored territory that really should be better explored and that if it was this piece of music that we hear over and over and over again, then like, why isn't it a better piece of music? Right. Um, and I also after having kind of a sprawling first record, I wanted a really concise, parameter-laden, um, limited type of second album. So I set up all these limitations for myself. I wanted 30 tracks. They were going to be roughly a minute. And that's, you know, give or take a few seconds. Right. A couple of them are over <laughs> a minute. A couple of them are under a minute. Um, but then I also restricted the the instrumentation because um, I'd gone really wild on the first record with instrumentation and I wanted to instead of um, going kind of crazy with whatever instrument I had dreamed up for whatever track I really wanted the same instruments for each track so that I was composing in a more structured way right. um, and so that was sort of how it began and I I composed all the, all the music I input it into Pro Tools. I, I scored it for organ, mallet percussion, bass, and cello. And then I exported it into a sheet music notation program to make the sheet music from it. Because the album is completely, well, I would say like 98% completely notated. Um, and the I think the only parts that are really sort of fiddled around with are the percussion tracks and there are about like six of those right um and and then i rehearsed them intensively and then i recorded them over three days at the fidelitorium which is a great studio in kernersville mitch easter studio and um and then i took those home and i sort of fixed them up 
and I recorded Josh Starmer on cello. Josh plays in a bajillion bands around here. Yeah. Um, he used to play in Birds and Arrows and the Old Ceremony. He plays with Chris Stamey and um, pretty much, I mean, there are actually a lot of really great rock cellists in this area. It's a sort of surprising number, but you've probably seen Josh if you've ever been out listening to live music in the Triangle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then after that, I got Terry Lonergan to add some percussion tracks at the tail end of things, which is kind of backwards. Um, but Terry's kind of also an amazing drummer. He plays with his golden messenger and um, he's kind of a hired hand, really excellent drummer. So he came out at the back end to add a little spice to a couple tracks that I felt needed a little bit more. And, um, and then Nick Peterson of track and field, who, again, if you know anything or have listened to any kind of local music he's in the tracks, like and like, he's involved in everything. So um, you probably know him too. Um, he mixed and mastered the record with a lot of input from me, and I owe a lot, actually, to the sonic quality of this record, um, to his really excellent feedback and listening ears. So um, that's kind of genesis through production, and now we're now I've got a live band putting it together for these release shows on November 8th and 9th and 10th. Awesome. So this is, it's an album comprised of all of these ringtones. How did you go about making it a sort of cohesive collection while it stands as these can each all still be like an individual ringtone? Yeah, that's an excellent question because I really, I really wanted it to be a cohesive album, something that you could listen to like from the first song to the last. Um, it's a, it's a lot of music in 32 minutes, like, right. <laughs> like a lot. Um, and um, some of the, some of the ways that I strove to do that was one, I, again, I picked the instruments to say them, to keep them consistent because um, if you get too many instruments and each each one minute long song has a completely different sonic quality with instrumentation, it can start to sound like what like what is this? Right. Um, and then um, the other thing is that I just in general I have some quirks to my songwriting and compositional style that I think identify most of these tracks as from the same brain. I think most people might say that. I, I mean, I'm very fond of unusual instrumentation and I change meter a lot. Um, so I use a lot of mixed meter and counterpoint. I'm, I know this sounds totally pretentious, but no, I'm totally enjoying it. <laughs> okay. um, but I, I tend to write not quarterly, um, which is again, sort of a backwards way, but I'll often come up with a melody number one or a bass line or a vocal melody. And then I'll hear in my mind the second melody that will interact with that first melody um, and then like a third melody and a fourth so that, um, and then sometimes different instruments will take pieces of the melody. Um, and that's something I'm kind of fond of too. So there are some that are based on chords very obviously, but most of them are like very intricate. There are a lot of right. melodic lines interacting. Um, and so I think that particular, like those stylistic quirks also, I give the album a sort of cohesiveness that... Definitely that if I had just sort of gone on a whim with every single disparate idea that I had and then just try to kind of shove them all into one album of 31 minute long songs, I think it would have sounded kind of crazy. I'm really, I'm really actually really pleased with how cohesive it stands as a record. So um, I'm hoping that people will pick their favorite and download it onto their phone and actually have it as their ring phone. Um, I'm taking it as sort of uh, a point of like, I'm going to consider this, project successful if i'm somewhere out <laughs> and a stranger's phone rings and it's one of my ringtones like yeah, that's, I wrote that song that's it yeah that, that's gonna be the sort of determination of whether this project actually worked or not um 
But beyond that, I also wanted just to make a second record that was cohesive and something you could listen to pretty easily. Most of the tracks are instrumental too, so. Awesome. And it seems like that, the kind of, almost like a disjointed type of way of writing, you know, like you have these different styles of like comprising your melodies off of different sort of sections. Yeah. That kind of lends to the fact that, you know, that it's, these are all kind of brief tracks and it allows you to go through all of these different ideas while still, you said, keeping these same instruments. It keeps that cohesiveness. It's just, it's a really interesting way of approaching it because when I know probably like a lot of people when they first heard, oh, this is a ringtone album, it's like how, how does this, how does this all come together? And how, how did you kind of wrap your head around that of going from writing these sprawling, huge, expansive tracks to suddenly writing these concise, roughly a minute tracks? Did any of these writing excursions lead to something that you just scrapped because there was too much there and it became a different song? Yeah, that's a really excellent question. Um, a couple of things did sort of become bigger pieces. But um, another reason that I'd gone in this direction was after that first record, um, which is features like sort of regularly length pop song, like three to five right. minutes or whatever. Um, but with a lot of changing parts, because that is kind of my personality, I began sort of writing smaller and smaller and smaller. And so um, I kept having these songs that were like two minutes or, and only two minutes because I'd like repeated sections. And then yeah. um, I thought like maybe an, a really interesting way of dealing with this is try to pack in a regular song's worth of information into just a minute long. And for one, I cannot completely 100% credit myself with this idea because there is an album from the late 70s called The Commercial Album by The Residents who did this. Um, I think they did 40 one-minute-long songs because, um, and there's a really interesting story behind this, which is they then purchased radio commercial time and they just play their songs as commercials instead of commercials all right and um and so and i'm a big fan of the residents so there is a little bit of an homage there right um but current day spin yeah current day spin because um the cell phone sort of is the one minute long you know version of what used to be maybe a little bit longer than that or something and i know uh, we were talking earlier about how sometimes you know, like a ringtone that you have. If you choose like your favorite song or something, it can kind of take on this new form for you. I know I had one of my favorite songs in high school. I listened to the Mars Volta a lot, and I woke up to a Mars Volta song every single day. And then when I listened to it on a day-to-day basis, I'd be like, get this away from me. Yeah, I can't right. listen to this at this point. How do, you, how do you approach the fact of knowing that maybe some of these people are are going to have totally changing ideas of these songs because they hear it like every waking second of their day yeah that's that's funny and you're the only person to have brought that particular thing up and i guess i haven't really i hadn't ever really considered the possibility that that would get old um i took i mean the off the handle answer to that would be like well there are 30 30 songs on the record just pick another one um or pick one that's like if you're in a certain mood that week you could pick one of the slower moodier ones um but that, yeah, that is an interesting thing because just the sheer act of repetition of hearing something over and over again does change one's experience of that, no matter how much you like um, like that Mars Volta song. Yeah, and it, it <laughs> seems like there's enough of like like intricacies, even in despite the fact that they're just over a minute, that you know, like there will be different things that you can find about it. You know, like you were talking about like writing 
the counterpoint and stuff. That's like you you will hear different things within it, especially for people. I I know a lot of people in the local music scene are also musicians, like whether they play out or not. So it's it'll be interesting to hear all of these like nuances each time and pick up on something new despite the brief length. And um, we're actually going to get ready to listen to a couple of these tracks. We're going to get a string of them together, and uh, we'll be back to talk a little bit more about the Ringtone album and the upcoming release shows for this album. I'm with Wendy Spitzer right now from Felix Obelix, and you guys are listening to Carolina Grown on WKNC. WKNC 88.1, we are back with Carolina Grown. You guys were just listening to a nice little group of these songs from uh, Felix Obelix's The Ringtone album. Uh, you just listened to Wind Up Whippoorwill, Lullaby, and The Smear, all back to back to back. They are very brief tracks, but uh, formed together to make a cohesive 30-track uh, album, which is kind of, you don't get a lot of 30-track albums. You get you get some mixtapes, apparently, every now and then. But uh, but this is, it's awesome, because it's, it's as equally, like, as sprawling as... The previous stuff but it's all kind of concise and it's is interesting because i'm excited to see how these this is approached live um how have you what sort of thought have you put into the live approach to these tracks are you gonna bulk them together like this or is this going to be here's the song and then talk here's this song like how how are you gonna approach that sure yeah so um the album will be played in its entirety at at each of these three shows, that's November 8th, 9th, and 10th at the Garrick. And um, just to make sure, because somebody asked me this, it's the exact same show three times. So don't think that like it's the first 10 on the first night and the second 10 on the second night or anything like that. It's that would be, be a good marketing. Yeah, um, but no, it's just three nights of the same show. Um, and I, playing with me, I'm going to do this live exactly as the album is because the thing is notated. And so I have Josh Starmer on the cello. He recorded the tracks on the album. And Arden Flint from Durham School of the Arts is playing xylophone and glockenspiel. And then Missy Thangs, who's played in a lot of bands around here, um, is going to be handling the rather complex keyboard parts to this record. And I'm playing bass and singing. So um, my sense is that we're going to try to do it sort of top to bottom with not very much talking um, I do change instruments a couple times because I play piano on a couple, and during those times, I'm hoping that we'll have some little interstitial video or something. Um, the other part of the live show that's going to happen is that it is in conjunction with an art exhibit that I'm having at the Carrick um, because I also do visual art. And so on the 8th, um, the MSR people, minus Sound Research, which is John Harrison and Maria Albani, are, gotcha. they're, they're doing their opening night at the Outsiders Art Gallery. And then right after that, everybody can mosey on down to the Carrick for another art and music night. Um, and my hope is actually that's the 8th and 9th they are going to be at 9 p.m. There's That's like regular rock time, but it's still early rock time so that you yeah. could go out after that if you wanted. And then the 10th, which is a Sunday, I'm doing a 3 p.m. matinee. And awesome. I'm, I'm hoping that that will be like a family-friendly one that people could bring their kids to because each song is a minute long. And right. that's, you know, like... That's the, like a child's attention. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just... And a lot of these are pretty bouncy, jaunty little tunes because they're intended to be ringtones. So um, my hope is that 
that I'll see some some family folk out there. And also sometimes parents of young kids can't go out to shows anymore. I've right. got a lot of people in that sort of age bracket. And so this is a chance for the whole family to get their brains melted or whatever on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and um, and yeah, and there'll be all the other, the things that you would expect at a rock show, even though they're at an art gallery. Right. So refreshments so, and whatnot. So with the, uh, with the art exhibit, with the visual art, what, does in, does this sort of coincide with the ringtone album, or are these separate entities that just so happen to like work out alongside it and serve as an outlet? Yeah, I wanted there to be a visual element to this too, because I, you know, I, I've been playing music like for my whole life, and then I've been making art my whole life, but in a much less trained and structured way. I mean, right. I'm trained as a musician, and that's what I do. Um, but in the last couple of years, I've really kind of amped up the visual art stuff and. I had this idea that, you know, the phones, whether or not they can do this right now, I guess some fancy phones can and some can't, but they can um, show a piece of, like an image as the phone is ringing. Right. Um, and I wanted, so I'm trying to make one piece of art per ringtone so that they're they're thematically linked in some way. And um, if I really, really have my act together, I don't know if I will, but if I really, really have my act together, there'll be some videos as well projected while we're playing, um, hopefully to like sync up with how we're playing it. Um, And that'll be part of the, of the show as well. So yes, they are intrinsically linked. And in fact, that's why I'm having it at the Carrick. I wanted it at an art gallery. Um, That's a, that was a specific decision on my part because um, as I began to compose weirder and weirder music, it became obvious that like a big rock show at a place like Motorco or the local 506 was start- starting to not exactly work very well um, because it's not really like bar chatter, get drunk to right. music. Um, and so I wanted to, and, and the music doesn't really sit in any one genre particularly well either. So venues just by virtue of performing in a certain venue, you have expectations about what the kind of music is going to sound like. And I wanted really to like take that away and just kind of reconceive of where you could listen to a, a piece of music like this that doesn't fit particularly right. well in one space or another. And I wanted to do an art exhibit. So I pitched I pitched the idea to the Carrick um, because you have to apply to get a show at the Carrick. And so I pitched the idea and they really liked it. And so I'm going to be performing there as well as doing the visual art yeah and it seems like it 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 becomes a very contained aspect where it's like you have you've got the the venue to coincide with the music to coincide with the visuals and like you were mentioning you know like a lot at the 506 or all of these little clubs that you'll see shows like that at you know a lot of people have started to implement some visual aspects but it's an art gallery does open up such a different outlet and a totally different crowd as well and um it's you were talking about john harrison and maria and i know they are uh, they are involved with potluck um what what was the reaction of potluck when you came to these guys and you were like so i have this album <laughs> right yeah that's a really good question um well the first felix oblux album was out on pox world empire um which they had been involved with as well as nathan white and Zeno gill and nathan and Zeno, Zeno especially moved out of state. And so um, I think after the Pox World Empire era, um, I think Maria and Reed and John kind of reformed as this co-op label type type of boutique label where um, they also really like 
to release music in a sort of un- in unusual way. So Reed yeah. just he just released his awesome record, Neighborhood Veins, which like, I love that record. Fantastic. Um, they're, they're our artist of the month. Yeah. Oh, for good. October. Yay. Hooray. Good choice. Um, <laughs> and and they so they had this like limited edition blue vinyl that was like so snazzy and um and i think organos has maybe released other sort of like like an object that's not a cd or a record um that that has the information of it on there so in that way this is sort of seamlessly fitting into that broader right. idea um and then beyond that i think that they're just awesome people who are really willing to take a leap of faith and that's kind of what it, this is yeah um to 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 release it i think they even i mean i'm trying to remember the chronology of this but i think they may have even agreed to do it without hearing the album awesome. <laughs> like just based on the idea yeah. um and i hope that they're pleased with the results because you know i'm pretty pleased with the results and i'm the most critical person of my own work right. that i know so um so yeah, I think it actually fits really well into the sort of greater oeuvre of the of potluck. And when I was talking with Reed uh, for our feature that we did on them, he the quote he had about potluck that really stuck with me was it's uh, whatever they want to bring to the table, and it works on so many different levels. And that's that's what I was interested, you know, to see sort of how these guys react to some of these different forms or ways that people will give them this music and to kind of coincide with that and talk about how it how it's uh going to be actualized um when when you're playing shows outside of these release shows how do you see yourself going about implementing this into sets are these sets going to become just strings of this ringtone album or will there be sort of like these brief like one minute songs (laughs) here in between these like regular like grand standard indie tracks like how, how have you thought about going about that yeah that's a that's a good another good question um another one no one's asked me and maybe you're a bigger picture thinker than i am at this moment <laughs> while i'm scrambling to get all the art made for this show i haven't exactly thought about that i did um sort of preview a version of this back in march um at at a, an art gallery in raleigh actually and i had pre-recorded all the like backing tracks and I played one instrument to the backing tracks. I'm not sure if that worked particularly well. My sense is that I will actually never perform this album live again, that it is considered that I'm considering this, like when you will ever get to hear this live, the music is more complicated than anything I've ever written. And people were already like their brains were exploding with the complication (laughs) of the first record or the players I had at the time. And so, um, yeah this is sort of like a premiere and final showing and which is why i'm doing three of them right um because we're putting this work into this and we're gonna do these three shows and then that's it so if you want to hear this record live this is kind of when you're going to do it or when when it's going to happen um beyond this i'm not really sure what the next big project is for me i've done a little bit of scoring of um early silent animated movies and so that may happen in the spring or even like later in 2014. But again, every every project I do kind of, I reconceive of what Felix Obelix is. And basically Felix Obelix is whatever thing I'm working on at right. that time is. Um, so it started out kind of more like a band, like a typical indie band. And then I've gone in these different directions that I'm just kind of following my instinct 
often without, I mean, I'm sort of scrambling in the dark, which is kind of why this record took three years to make. I mean, it was right. an extremely ambitious thing from the outset. And then, um, and then I really wanted just to try something that nobody else was doing. And I think the next couple of projects that I have sort of twinkling in the back of my brain right now are also of that vein of nobody's really done this before. And so I really have to just try a bunch of stuff and see what sticks. Um, but I, going back to potluck, I do think that there's sort of a, a stream of experimentation in, in everything that they're releasing and, and how they're releasing it and how they're presenting themselves. And so I do think that this kind of works with that because it is just kind of an experiment and we'll see if the experiment is successful, if people like the record, all that stuff. So Definitely. And uh, it's, it's interesting because we were talking uh, briefly during the break about how they're kind of like little movements and it does seem like if if it's not despite the fact that they are you know intended largely to be heard as ringtones it seems like if if they were just kind of interspersed throughout like a regular set it it loses its context and it's it would be interesting to see how some of this is without context and kind of tossed in with different sounds and different types of music uh because it it does seem like this is it's vastly different from anything that you've worked on. Yeah, and uh, the other part of that I think is interesting because we're on radio and talking about radio right now, like we're talking on the radio right now, <laughs> is how this might get played on the radio. I'm, right. I'm very curious, you know, we, I won't really find this out until the next month or two months out. Right. Um, whether, I mean, I was, a, I was a college radio DJ at WXYC when I was at UNC, and if there was a if there was a song that was like a minute and six seconds, that was a terrifying song to yeah. play. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, because um, even at XYC at the time, I don't know what the station looks like now, but there was no automation and in a control panel way. Like everything was the CD into the the physical CD into the CD player or the vinyl on the turntable. And so you would shy away from tracks that were a minute right. long. They were scary. Um, however, I did really want to make this record there's actually very little space between each track so you could very comfortably play like three tracks in a row like what we just heard right and it just things kind of seamlessly move along into the next track and you can kind of do that but i'm curious as to what's going to happen in the radio realm of the of the radio stations that have gotten this record whether it gets played or if it's just like a terrifying thing or if people don't like the music but that would um in in sort of response to your question about how would these fit into like a live set with other pieces of music how i mean my sort of ping-ponged question back to you is like how would this fit into a set on the radio of another right um i mean it's it's almost some of these are almost could could be used as like bumper music at the the end of something if you just needed like a minute of something before like the next person was doing a talk radio show or something um and like i said most of them are instrumental so you know, there's a lot of room there for using this, however it's going to get used. I'm very curious about that. Like, I mean, like I was saying, this is uncharted territory, so we'll just figure, find out in the next couple months, I guess. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool too, because you were talking about the album earlier of commercials, um, that was put out and it seems like this, while back then that was, it's such a, uh, an out there concept almost to, have something like that because while there was like a lot of single oriented music you know like the LP was kind of really coming into prominence then and now with our current you know right. landscape it's a lot based on just like single MP3s or 
singles from this album. So it's it's at simultaneously fits within the music culture that we have, but it also stands out because they're ringtones. Yeah, and it's, they're and they're so short too. So I mean, I was getting into this whole um, like sort of mental paradox of like, you know, how do I price the digital? per track price i mean how do i price this album because like a song on itunes is 99 cents yeah but that's like a song which is three minutes and do we associate the value of a song with the length of the song do you have a certain expectation um and and like you were saying now things are so disjointed and people will i mean they're, they'll stream an album but they'll right. only download one song off of the song they like or whatever um so in that way these this whole album could be sp- you know, completely torn to pieces and people getting little little bits and pieces of it, which is completely fine because I'm hoping that each one works as a its own cohesive right. statement. Um, but I am curious, like, how many people f- will find themselves listening to the whole album and it, how people are going to enjoy or not enjoy this album. Um, again, uncharted territory. We just have yeah. no idea while we're talking right now. It, and it, it kind of reminds me a little bit uh, in a in a strange way of like flaming lips when they put out Zyrica um, right. and how people could listen to, if they wanted to just a single CD of this four CD set that was supposed to come together on four different yeah. speakers and you get your own experience out of it. And it seems like while these are all, like I said earlier intended to, they can be consumed as just a ringtone. You know, like you were saying, people will take an album and pick what they want and put that on like a playlist. Right. And it, yeah. It becomes their own sort of, personalized sort of album and it it it, it's a surprisingly versatile piece of work when it's something that can be intended to just be consumed as one it's it's just it it lands it's in this interesting middle ground that you don't really see a lot it's super interesting and i think i think we're in a really interesting point of history right now too with you know releasing albums or put people on vinyl or Audubon Park on, on potluck just put out a cassette and there are even like a single, yeah. um, like a single on a cassette um, or just a, an MP3, like digital download is, is all of that changes our enjoyment or perception of the music. And, um, and so I think this kind of is, while we all try to figure out like how to write in these new forms and how to, how to release records um, that this is just sort of another experiment in that, in this very amorphous time in history, both musically and also like what cell phones are doing to right. our social interactions and all this. Um, it's all playing into that. So, yeah. And it seems like with the varying structures, it's like you can either work around this, this new way of making art or you can make it yourself. And that definitely seems to be what you've done with this ringtone album. It's like you can, you can make this this album that some people might pick a couple tracks from and you're not really going to get to listen to this whole cohesive experience the way it should be. So you create something that can be listened to disjointed. It's just, it's it's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, it's <laughs> simple. It's just awesome. And, well, uh, thanks. So we're getting ready to close this up and you guys are about to listen to a bulk of songs uh, that we have picked so that you can have your own <laughs> little experience from these tracks. You're getting ready to hear... The opening three tracks, the ones you heard uh, during the last break, were the closing three. You are getting ready to listen to Trabco, Atonal Noisemaker, and Elka's Theme. And you have been listening to Grant Golden, that's me, 
on Carolina Grown. I've been talking with Wendy Spitzer from Felix Obelix. Um, and as we mentioned earlier within this hour, uh, the CD release shows are going to be November 8th, 9th, and 10th at the Carrick Art Gallery in Durham. They're going to coincide with a solo art exhibit from Wendy, and it sounds like it is going to be an incredible experience. So I'm very excited to check this stuff out, and thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Thanks, Grant.